Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know any jokes? I don't, but I knew you were going to ask me this, so I messaged my brother and asked him for one. (laughs) What's the difference between jelly and jam? I don't know. I can't jelly my dick up your ass. That's uh, that's horrible. (laughs) Thank you. Go on, take your best shot, roast me. No, I don't want to do this. Roast me. No. Come on, roast me. Okay, where are your kids? (laughs) Um, Your um, balls, the smell of your balls enters the room before you do when you're naked. I thought nobody could be worse at this than Frank, but it turns out... (laughs) That's what I do for my job. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? I feel overwhelmed, is what I would say. I was actually more scared than I was excited. So I couldn't really even delight in it the first time we watched it because I was too filled with fear. And then we watched it a second time, and then I I felt more relaxed. What you can remember is that the last of Succession we saw was a dramatic climax of an entire series. Yeah. And you can't expect that same feeling you know in what the it, opening moments you of You absolutely new can't. And you just have to like relax a little bit. You have to take a breath. You have to enjoy the color palettes they're giving us. The East Coast, West Coast that they're giving us. Welcome to our bi-coastal gathering. A little lagoon. You don't like what I'm saying? No, I, just, I couldn't tell if you're confusing a, a lagoon and a legume at first. Do you know what? I had that same thought. I was like, wait, there's another word that you sound like you're saying, and I couldn't place it as legume. You're at a lagoon. Eating the, a legume. You're eating a legume at a lagoon, and we hear for you to give your thoughts and feelings and share ours. Season four, episode one, The Monsters. Should we have a bit of a rummage? Yeah, let's have a oh should, should, a rummage, should we rummage, should we rummage to, fruition? to fruition. Let's rummage to fruition. <laughs> uh, uh, let's start with brain dumps then. So I don't usually find myself wishing I could be more like Logan Roy. Uh-huh. But the way that man feels no obligation to pretend that he's enjoying it when people are singing happy birthday to him. It's it's wonderful. There was none of the conducting or joining in on the last line. He just look miserable throughout. How do you feel when happy birthday is sung to you directly? Does anybody like it? Do you feel a wash of love or a wave of anxiety? I think I do feel a wave of anxiety. I yeah. also want to know if Carrie is wearing a wig. And I don't think that she is, but it is a very Kardashian-like head of hair on a human. They are humans, the Kardashians. <laughs> yes, I know. I still don't understand if their hair is natural. It's hard to get my head around. But anyway, the hair is so... um powerful 
<laughs> she has, without exaggeration, Carrie has 400 times as much hair as I do. 400 <laughs> times. And we also know Carrie's been licking Logan's big omelette nipples. Oh, my God. It's a lovely that detail. That is disgusting. <laughs> I think that we're what we're learning about Logue's is the actual nipple is tiny, but then it's the real omelet of an areola. When, when judging a man's attractiveness, have you ever considered the nipple? No, I think it's one of those things that you don't notice unless something real funky is going on. It's, it's one of many things about my body that I've always been a bit insecure about. Well, you think that you have man boobs, as they're called. No, it's it's not that. It's um, they're very pinkish and rivet-like. Honey, I think it's like not a thing to stress about. New season, new titles. Yeah. A few differences. Uh, there's a toddler and a toy car that I don't think we see in previous iterations. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Uh, we see a different shot of Waystar Studios. We see the app, the Star Go streaming app, which I love it's the detail that it's still buffering. loading. Oh, it's yeah, buffering. buffering. It's yeah. still buffering. And my favourite ATN news crawl, I think, is... Man with bird flu can't stop thinking about ducks. That was my favorite as well, but just some others in case you missed them. China Hack could see 40 million Americans entombed in their electric cars. <laughs> and Deep State Blunder, classified information displayed on NBC Jumbotron. Have you ever been on a Jumbotron? So why does someone wind up on a Jumbotron? Because they're at a sports event and a camera points at them. And why does a camera point at them? Because they are having a moment. Because they're giving good yes. response. What do I do? I give good response. I've never been to an event with a Jumbotron, but I believe if I did, and I don't know how many thousands of people are at like a basketball game or an American football game, but I believe I might be selected. <laughs> I do. I, I would not. No. I like it if I'm ever on a bus and the CCTV yeah, yeah. camera catches me though. My next brain dump. I need to have a conversation about the way Naomi Pierce's shirt was tucked into her trousers because I don't understand what was happening. It looked like she'd just gotten off the toilet and run to answer the door. But maybe she's a great innovator. Maybe it's uh, uh, first they call you crazy, then they fight you, then you change the world situation. Oh my God. Did you come up with that on your own? Yeah, I made that up. Yeah. But this is what I'm saying is that it, I would assume if it's her, it's like first they call her crazy and I'm just I'm just there calling her crazy, but I, I, I couldn't visually make sense of it. Well, do you need a diagram? I'll look at it again later, but I'm not convinced. Okay. Now, show creator Jesse Armstrong has floated the idea of succession spin-offs. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult thing to get right. Mm -hmm. But I think this episode contains a clear direction for the succession spin-off. Go on. It's called Anne's Disaster in Maine, and it's a miniseries. Oh, my <laughs> God. The Disaster in Maine. So fantastic. This is Nan Pierce talking about her family. So what with John's divorce and Anne's disaster in Maine. Anne's disaster in Maine. <laughs> and it just leaves so many questions unanswered. And I, I just think one of the sort of write-ins that we can start right now is, what's Anne's disaster in Maine? Oh, definitely. And who did you see Anne as? Like, who entered your mind when she said that? Anne's disaster in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> so you want people to write in with fanfic? Yeah. Or, or just speculating what that disaster could yeah. be. Who is Anne? Yes. And what's the disaster? Do you think she's been defrauded by a confidence trickster she met on a cruise? No, because it's in Maine. 
Like she's outside. Like maybe she kills someone. She was logging. You know, she was doing something and then... <laughs> a logging accident. And then killed an underling. Okay. So we'd like to hear from people on that. Finally, enter Bridget. How capacious is too capacious when it comes to a bag? Do you think we're going to see Bridget again? I, th- I think Bridget is one that one episode and out. But, well, listen, but, uh, Francesca Root Dodson, great job. You had a few minutes and I thought you were very, very funny and very good in them. So the episode is called The Monsters. Yes. I didn't quite understand why. Well, you're, fam- you're familiar with The Monsters. Yes. I just thought it was this grumpy Logan looking around his birthday party and his life and seeing these... Freaks? Yes, yes. So it's, it's a reference to him feeling like he's surrounded by a pack of freaks. Yes, I think so. Okay, I like that. Were you, were you a fan of The Monsters? Yes. I just felt much more comfortable with The Monsters than The Adams Family. How did the theme music go? Yes, you got the son who's a vampire, Herman who's like Frankenstein's monster, Lily who's a witchy woman, Grandpa who is also a vampire. Grandpa, yes. And the pretty normal one. Marilyn was the normal one. Marilyn. And I think in your family... Oh. Sam is like the Marilyn Monster. Oh. You and your mum and your dad sort of belong together. I think if we start playing that game with your family, it'll get too depressing. (laughs) So we're going to get into the episode, The Monsters. We'd love to hear from you. Of course, we've got feelings. We're sure you've got feelings. We would love to hear them. Our email address is fuckoff at firecrotchandnormcore.com. We will be releasing a Friday Sprinkles episode where we go through your correspondence. And I was having a look in the inbox before. Yes. And I thought this this could get us off and running from beefy Logan Voodoo. Okay. Uh, to set the tone. Who says, I work every goddamn hour of the day, a slave to the NHS and a single parent, except on Mondays. I do not work Mondays. The children are at school. My God, that succession drop at 2am gives me life. I watch it at 9am, savouring every detail in the glorious silence of my house all to myself. I screenshot the news headlines. I rank my favourite knitwear. Lovely double-breasted navy cardigan Oh, I mean, we all have the same (laughs) favourite knitwear from that episode. Oh my God, navy. I rank my favourite lines. I hypothesise future plots and I usually email you too. And Beefy Logan Voodoo is emailing in to reclaim that name because we have had an issue with the spreadsheet of nicknames. Yes, but I'm up to date and I'm feeling pretty good about the whole thing. So once again, our email address for all correspondence is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Oh, we should say who our guest is in this episode. Very exciting this week. We're talking to, I think, one of the funniest people on the page that I've ever read. I agree. Does that make it sound like I'm like dogging the fact that he's not good on the stage? He's never taken to the stage as far as I know. Here's what it is. The likelihood is that if you've ever read something in The Guardian and been like, why is this so funny? Why am I laughing out loud in public? It's because it was most likely written by this man, Stuart Heritage. All right, let's go through the episode then. Okay. Um, I think the way to do this is, is divide it into two. We've got two locations. We've got the party people. Party people, make some noise. And we've got the rats. The dirty little rats. So should we start at Logan's birthday party in New York? Okay, let's do that. Why is he having a birthday party? Why is he having a birthday party? The reason he's having a party 
is his children are not in his life right now. And that is a source of pain and embarrassment for him. So it's a keeping up appearances kind of situation. I think so. So he's he's selling up to Matson to Gojo, and he wants to seem relevant amongst the, the powerful and the rich. Presenting like this is a wonderful and celebratory time. And Marsha is very much out of the picture. She is in Milan. She is shopping in Milan forever. Which is how Kerry describes yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Kerry, front and centre. Friend, assistant and advisor. Do you think he takes some... Vi- is it a given... Older men who aren't my dad, write in. No, please, I don't, I don't want to hear from any old men. I, it's difficult for me to think about the sex lives of people over the age of 70. Not because I am trying to be ageist, but because that's the age that my parents are. So you used to enjoy thinking about it when your parents were in the 50s and when 60s. When my parents perhaps. were, when I was like maybe 13 and my parents were in their 40s and 50s, it used to really do it for me. But is it a given that a man that age who is sexually active, which we know he is, do you have to be taking a little helper? Viagra was only invented in the 90s. There was a reason that all the talk show hosts were doing jokes about oh, it so then, like, because there was no Viagra prior to that one. So, like, I'm trying to think, like, so Picasso, right? He was like a famous guy who had kids in his 70s or something. So it's just a given that Picasso could get a heart on at 70. I have heard stories, by the way. I'm not going to name any names. but I've It's heard not Picasso. St- it's not Picasso. <laughs> I've heard stories about men coming when they're soft. Isn't that interesting? This is a legend. No, 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 it's not a legend. I'm trying to make sure that no one is findable in this story. Um, before we get on to what Greg brought to the party mm. and who he brought to the party, mm. um, we, we get a little bit of Connor. We don't get much of Connor in this episode, but what we do get is a man whose 1% is being squeezed. He means something with 1%. He's in the conversation. part of the conversation. He's part of the conversation. The con heads are still engaged. And it gives us that, what I think was one of my favourite comic moments. Should I say what he says? Yeah. Like brainstorming. What if we get married underneath the Statue of Liberty with a brass band? Get a rapper. I don't know, jetpacks and confetti guns and razor wire and bum fights and, you know, goodie bags and hoopla and razzmatazz. Yes, and it's her response. And it was something along the lines of, I don't mean to be difficult, but I'd always kind of imagined a nice a wedding. A nice wedding. <laughs> yeah. Just a nice wedding. Just not a joke. She just yeah. wants a wedding that isn't a joke. And that that is about to be denied to her, perhaps. I think Will is going to get what she wants in the end, but Connor's got to take her on a wild ride before he lands her there. Yeah, but not too much of Connor and Will are in this episode. No. Because enter Bridget with her capacious bag. A ludicrously capacious bag. I don't even know what capacious means. Does it mean big? It's It's got a large capacity. Yeah. Do you think it should have been a red flag for Bridget that on a... Is this a first date, do we think? No, I don't think it is a first date. How many dates do you think it's appropriate to have before you take somebody to a, a family occasion? It wasn't really a family. Like, so it, So if you think a family occasion, I don't know, when you've been together for a few months, but this is more this sort of like after dinner drinks for his job. Or, or a society event. A society event. Yeah, something like that. I would be horrified if somebody suggested that. Although in the early days of relationship, you just go along with stuff. It would be one of the greatest things that could happen to me to be invited into a apartment like that in New York City. Even if it meant you had to mingle with the sort of people who were at Logan's birthday party. Even if it meant I had to rummage to fruition. I would totally give a hand job in a bathroom if it meant I got to even just like go to that party and see what those people do. I just think people should wait, wait till you get home. Oh, my God. Very early on in our courtship, we were out with a group socializing which is something you used to be able to do. And um, we caught wind of the fact that one of the other couples there had gone for like a 
in the bathroom. And one of the ways that I knew that we were right for each other is that we were both sort of repulsed by the idea of having sex with each other in a bathroom. Yeah. Wait till you get home and you can do it in the dark, on a bed. On a bed, comfort, not able to see your body or the other person's (laughs) body because you hate yourself and are filled with shame. That is the correct way to have sex at any point in a relationship. How heavy do you think she went on the canapes? Oh. <laughs> and did you relate to that? Um, You've worked as a waiter at Functions. I have served many canapes in my day. Are you keeping a mental tally of how many? Because I, I will never have too many because I don't want them to judge me for it. Oh. Are you noticing how many people are taking? No, I don't. You know, and I, that's the kind of thing I'd be into. But you're, I think most waiters serving canapes, you're just out there being like, I hate my life. And they're not thinking about you. I'm just thinking how many canapes I could have eaten, knowing that I wasn't being judged after all. I think even though you're about to turn 50, your future is bright and you'll be invited to a lot more events (laughs) at which there will be expensive canapes. Something that's remarkable is how quickly Greg has become a disgusting brother. It it was all, um, ah, verily my fair maiden, and now... He's choking him up. I saw this coming a mile away. I knew it was going to happen because of how he just like ditched Comfrey for the Contessa. So I'm unsurprised. Have you ever been hunted in pairs like the Disgusting Brothers? Hunted in pairs? Like Tom, Tom and Greg as his wingman. Oh, do you want... This is really sad. You're not... It's sad. In my 20s... My gang of girlfriends were all much cuter than I was. It's not true. It I've is seen true. photos. I had a group of female friends, all of whom got a lot more male attention than I did. So it would be like, I'd be the ugly one waiting for someone to pay attention to me and it never happened. And the four of us were this little gang of four girls going around New York City the summer of 96. And we found these boys, these like rich boys lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and they invited us up to their apartment. We were like all hanging out and all the other boys started making out with the other girls. But the boy didn't make out with me because I was the ugly one. That's not true. But factually, those three other boys no, were every, like... No, everything's factual up until the because. You don't know the because. What I can say is all the other boys and girls started necking. And then I just had to sit there next to this boy twiddling my thumbs thinking, will anyone ever want me? And that's sad. You, but it means you were ready to make some big compromises <laughs> by the time you met me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um Do you think Logan really has CCTV in every room of his house? That's a great question. Do you think he is watching back the CCTV footage (laughs) to check that the staff aren't stealing butter knives? That's funny. Nope. I think he's a good judge of character and he mostly doesn't let people into his house who would steal butter knives. When I used to work in a shop, my boss lived in a flat above the shop. What did they sell in the shop? Musical instruments. Okay. And records. Uh Uh-huh. And they would go on holiday to Aberystwyth, uh, a caravan in Aberystwyth every summer. Uh, I feel like we're a long way from succession world at the moment, caravans in Aberystwyth, but bear with me. And I had to go and change the tapes in the VCR machine in their flat every day uh-huh. because when they got back from holiday, they then would watch all the security tapes on fast forward search to check that none of us had been arriving late, leaving early or taking long lunch breaks. I don't like it. It makes me not like them. They were nice people. Oh, were they? Yeah. Okay. We've all got our problems. And let's talk about Tom at Logan's party, because we're two, three months on from the end of series three. He has manoeuvred himself, it would seem, into being a fairly trusted lieutenant of Logan. Lieutenant, such a funny word. Yes, yes. You know what I'm trying to think about? If Tom is doing better than he was, and I think he is. Emotionally or within Yeah, the- I think his pain 
has been Shiv. My read on Tom has always been he wouldn't be with her if she wasn't a Roy, but he also does really love her. And she does not really love him as per their dirty talk in Chianti Shire. So I think that he is a little bit free. It's painful, but I think he is more free and she is more broken by the impending divorce. And what about that conversation he has to have with Logan about just floating the idea? What if you and Shiv bust up? Heartening, heartening. That's very heartening. (laughs) How do you think that same conversation would go between me and your dad? The power would be flipped. So it would be my parents begging you to stay with me. I think they're very loyal to you, your parents. They'd close ranks. I'm trying to think. No, I don't think they would be loyal to me. Do you think you'd be able to have the same relationship (laughs) with my dad if we broke up? I call him on his birthday. Do you? Yeah, I'll call him on on his birthday. Okay. I think that your dad is under a bit of pressure on the phone and I want to be a good daughter in law and I can never figure out if that means calling him or not calling him. <laughs> Do you think it would be possible for Tom to maintain a relationship with Logan if there was a divorce? It all is going to come back to the ways in which Logan doing what he needs to do to prove to his children that he's better than they are. So however it is that Tom can serve that storyline dictates what their relationship feels like. One thing that struck me is really it's Tom's fault that the Pierce deal is ruined for Logan. Why? Because it's Tom's need to talk to Shiv about being spotted out with Naomi Pierce that sets the siblings asking Why questions. Why did he do that? What was the need for that call? Is Tom on manoeuvres at all in a business sense or is it entirely about the power play within, within felt- their estranged marriage? <sighs> I think it was about his marriage and not about his business. But then it ends up being the inciting incident. Yeah. Which means Logan gets fucked. Yeah. That was not strategic of Tom. But does it show us that he's got a blind spot when it comes to his marriage still? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think the moment of deepest pain for me in the episode was Logan's little interlude with Colin. I found Logan when he asks Colin a question and then immediately talks over him. More unlikable than I do when he refers to people as NRPIs. (laughs) Or when he's like screwing his own children out of their inheritance. I mean, I think it was the most unlikable I personally have seen him. He says, you're my pal. You're my best pal. You're my best pal. Very vulnerable. He's so lonely because his children aren't coming. He's got nobody. Not really. What is so painful about that situation Uh, uh. is... What do you do if somebody who you don't consider in that way says, oh, you know, you're my best friend? Oh. Is there anybody in your life who might consider you as their best friend and you've got no idea? I think I do it to Becky. Like, so Becky is my best friend in the UK. But like, I'm not Becky's best friend. Do you think you're top 10? Oh, that's interesting. I'll ask her if I'm top 10. (laughs) She's my number one. And I, I would be, what number do I think I am with her? Maybe I am top 10, but only because I'm a close proximity bang in a platonic sense. And then the, the thing that lures Logan back to his own birthday party is is the deal. Oh, right, right, right. I wasn't even quite thinking about it in terms of like, I felt like he'd taken his breather and went back. But of course, now there's a deal to be done. And then he's a fish in water. again. Yeah. We didn't see that much of Frank, Jerry and Carl during this episode, but they all lived up to expectations. Because they're talking about who's going to explain to Logan that the other bitter is the kids. Yes. 
So, in other words, how do you deliver bad news to Logan Roy? Who's going in to the and, line and of the fire? And the answer is you, t- you take nuts. You take nuts. Good luck with the blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and Logan wanting jokes to break the tension and wanting that jousting. Do you think that's what he was like back in the day with the wolf pack? Oh, Yes. I can see this sort of like dance gestures, yeah. dance. I'll tell you who would have had a joke at the ready. Go on. Hugo. He, he would have had up his sleeve something about a divorce attorney going into a brothel or something like that. Yeah. Did you hear the one about? Do you think anyone enjoys being roasted or do you think that people just understand it reflects well on them? To I, show that they've got a good sense of humour. I think people exclusively do it to show that it reflects well on them. I think I read an interview with Alec Baldwin where he was talking about being roasted. Like the comedy center roast of Alec Baldwin was one of the genuinely worst nights of his entire life. And some bad shit has happened to that guy. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm guessing the interview was before the... Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think Greg gives Logan what he wants to some extent? No, I don't think he does. Okay. I think... Greg gives Logan what he wants in the first thing he says where he's fucking up, where he's like, uh, you're uh terrifying and I'm I'm terrified right now and you terrified. That's what Logan wants, actually. It's when then Greg goes, None of your kids are here. That is incredible. And of course, it then prompts Logan into the one one of the most interesting parts of the whole show, where he references Greg's dad. Like sucking dick at the country fair. Now, did we ever decide or work out is who is Ewan's child? Ewan's child is Greg's mom. And she's been disinherited. So remind me why his mom was disinherited. We don't really know. We know that Ewan is very judgmental and that he enjoys having his own kids and, and grandkids on on mm-hmm. a short leash like that. There's a similarity between him and Logan. Yeah. He dresses it up as principles and morals, but it's no. the, it's the same thing. This is why I always prefer the open asshole. Wait, you know, one of my favorite lines from that scene. Go on. Guess the scent. Win a buck. It had a lick of bore on the floor, didn't it? Smell Greg's finger. Yeah, smell Greg's finger. <laughs> smell your fingers right now. What do they smell like? Um, I just smell of the day. <laughs> Sometimes your fingers just smell of the day. Yeah, my fingers smell of the day too. How much do you enjoy sniffing your own fingers? Oh, that's interesting. I've always smelled like sunshine. <laughs> I do. I smell like sunshine. I think you do, but I also think everybody likes their own smell because it's the most familiar thing to them. Let me smell so, your fingers. No, I don't. Okay, you can smell my fingers. Have you have you stuck them up your asshole or something? No, I haven't. No. All right, then let me smell them. Yeah, they're pretty average. They're slightly more piquant than mine. What bouquet are you getting from my fingers? All I'm saying is mine is like neutral and yours is neutral plus one. <laughs> would you smell Greg's finger? Yeah, I would. This is good. Keep going. I'd smell his finger. And I'm not even into him, but I'd smell his finger. Um, would you smell, you'd smell Tom's finger? Yeah. Kendall's finger? Yep. Hugo's finger? No. I don't think I want to smell Kendall's finger either. So actually, no to Kendall. (laughs) Yes to Tom, no to Kendall, no to Hugo. Yes to Logan. Here's what I think we should do. You know, a lot of these podcasts now, they have a Patreon where people support the podcast financially and in return, they get bonus content. Yeah. What What if um, we set up a Patreon and just went through every character that's ever appeared in succession, you can say whether you'd sniff their finger or not? Yes. I also thought that what we could do is, I want money. I said um, in our last episode when we were recapping season three that I will accept £100 to eat a Jaffa cake or um, a Percy pig, and we could film me eating those things and then release <laughs> for, the money. C- for money. I'm not. A, I'm like a cheap little bit. I I will do this shit. I I have like zero um ego or 
shame. I don't know what I'm supposed to have to not do that, but I don't have those things. And I want 200 pounds and I'll film myself eating those things. This is too humiliating. I don't feel humiliation about this kind of stuff. So you'd be good at bore on the floor. Yeah, I'll sniff fingers for money. We should do a bonus episode where you put an exact figure on how much you'd want for sniffing the various fingers. Yes. And people can also just sort of write in with this. (laughs) All right. Shall we switch locations? Shall we head to sunny California? It's the place you want to be. So they loaded up the truck. And And they moved to Beverly Hills, Hills, that that is. Swimming pools? No, I'm out. I'm out. Okay. You have to do okay. it. Um, am I right in thinking that even though New York is the song of your heart, mm. you were watching this episode just wishing you were in California? You know, here's here's what I was doing. I have always felt, I continue to feel because my future is bright and 43 is the <laughs> new 23. So like I've got chapters that are still coming. I've always thought I would have a California chapter. Anyway, it really did make me want to go to California. That house was something else, wasn't it? Oh, my God. And just the, the warmth and, you know, the weather here has been so terrible and freezing. And today it feels like winter. And you just, oh, God, let me have it. So we said at the beginning, it, it took us a few minutes to click into the episode because we left off in a, such high drama at the end of Series 3. I think part of that is when we first see those three siblings. It's quite harmonious. There's still a bit of a suspicion as to where Shiva's been and is she going to snake. But they're all there for each other and we need a little bit of conflict. I felt it was slightly different to that for me. I really felt that where I was at was like if I was a single woman and I was going out on a date and it was like, this guy has to be the one. He has to be. He has to be. He has to be the one. If it's not this guy, who's it going to be? It has to be the one. He has to be the one. That energy is so unhelpful. And I'm so obsessed with succession. I was too tense at the beginning. I felt like a crazy anxious lady. Then we, you know, we watched twice. So by the second time, I was like completely relaxed. But it wasn't, I don't think for me it was about needing conflict. It was about how good I wanted it to be. But they are all kind of united and working on our project. The hundred? Substack meets Masterclass uh, meets The Economist meets The New Yorker. You know, if like you go to a restaurant, And there's like a very long menu. They do everything. And it makes you go, huh, maybe nothing on this menu is going to be particularly good. That's how I felt about The 100. Yes, it's so good. And and we pause the slides to see what the presentation was. So here is The 100. Here's its bio. So a tagline, The 100. Know everything, no limits. The digital hub delivering all the essential information needed to navigate the now The world's leading experts provide humanity's most invaluable knowledge in bespoke bite-sized parcels designed to improve lives of subscribers and the world in general. The antidote to the modern malaise of empty calorie input overload. This reminds me of everything I have ever read for every voiceover I have ever done. Oh, it's so perfect. It's so perfectly pitched. It's a private members club for everyone. The ethos of a non-profit, but with insane margins. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you are someone who works in whatever the fuck this job is and you're like, oh, my God, that is straight up like that pitch that I wrote. Do do you know that in yourself and do you own it or do you get like weird and defensive? I don't even work in that world and I feel like I've read stuff that has that exact rhythm to it before. And it says nothing. But I'd love any stories from that world as well. And also, I love doing voiceovers and I'm available. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any genuine concern from Roman and Kendall for Shiv when she gets that call from Tom and she says, oh, well, guess who's fucking Naomi Pierce? Or do they just want to know what's going on? So I, I think there was sort of genuine concern. 
but only in as much as like, are you still going to be able to like do a deal? Like, you still with us? You present? And I was just delighted with the return of Cherry Jones as Nan Pierce. What she is doing in this episode was so incredible, and one of my favorite lines. This is disgusting, but thank you. <laughs> so good. Oh, it's like I find myself in a bidding war. Different people <laughs> saying different numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eight, nine. It's such a great bit of comedy. And I feel like it's hitting something I've not quite seen before. Such a singular note. Yes, let's see how the headache develops. <laughs> I was also so curious. Do you think... Any people in that room can't play tennis. <laughs> it's such like a rich person rite of passage to be good at tennis and skiing. Yes. Like there are some people who can do those things and aren't rich, but everyone rich does those things. Well, about how eager Nam was to let us know that she doesn't have fancy tastes in wine. They might as well be jars of jam Oh, to I have, what is it called? Peasant tastes? Yes. She likes it vinegary and thin. I fear I have peasant tastes. <laughs> I fear... Fear. I have peasant tastes. One of your big tricks is at a bar saying, can I have a glass of your cheapest wine, please? Do you know what? I don't do that anymore. I've stopped. I don't know what changed. And then when they're successful, why does Logan want to get them on the phone? What does he achieve by saying congratulations on saying the biggest number to them? He needs to say fuck you. But it has the opposite effect because they all know that they've but won it, in that moment. And but it is, it's, it's not, a, it's the opposite of a slink away. It's a, I think it's an impulse. But not necessarily a good one. No, but I don't think it hurt him. I don't think he got off the phone and felt embarrassed. No. And they know that they've upset him and uh-huh. that feels good. And Shiv is delighted and Kendall is delighted. And I thought Roman's response was a little less clear, but then watching it a second time, I thought, no, he's also happy, but he's expressing it differently. Oh, How did you read it? Well, I, I thought Kendall and Shiv were very pleased with what they'd done. And, and Roman, this whole thing, this whole deal, I think a lot of this episode, they spend time showing us that Roman has grown just a little bit more savvy about these things than the other mm-hmm. two. They're so desperate to land a blow on Logan that they're not prioritising good business sense. Roman is now able to divorce emotion from business decisions. Yeah, that sounds really smart to me. I miss that. Should we get on to that last chapter? The cherry on top of the Sunday of this first episode. Yeah, the Tom and Shiv scene. They both looked so vulnerable. And I felt like the weatheredness of both of their appearances really, really accentuated that vulnerability. And I felt you really saw Shiv try to do her usual thing of wielding the power and controlling what can and can't be talked about. And, and, Tom cut through that with that incredible line. He says, do you really want to get into a full accounting of all the pain in our marriage? Oh. And it just rebalances the the seesaw of power. And so all her sort of like, oh, the disgusting brothers, oh, you're fucking the models. And then he calls her out on it with that line. And then from there, I felt she was really her father's daughter because there is just a fundamental inability to hold herself accountable. I did feel it was one of the scenes where Shiv's pain felt palpable. Her pain was palpable, but the most she would give was something like, why do we have to do that? Like, we both fucked up. Should we rake up a whole lot of bullshit for no profit? I don't think it's good for me to hear all that. 
And I just thought, oh, it's right. It's that thing people do where they sort of present as though they're taking the high road when in fact it's just a complete inability to really engage on what they've done wrong. Because Tom wants to talk about it. He wants the big talk. He wants the big talk. We're going to have a big talk. And she's not going to do it. Their sort of unspoken contract of their marriage was that she does what the fuck she wants with no consequences. So how are you feeling about the future? Do I think they somehow don't get divorced? Mm -hmm. No, I think they will get divorced. Do you think they might not? But is it a Kendall face down in the swimming pool moment? Oh, no, I don't think it is. I didn't feel that way about it. So that was the monsters. The seeds are sown. Let a thousand sunflowers bloom. And coming up next, our guest for this episode. So excited to talk to him. I think he's one of the funniest writers I've ever read. He is a huge Succession fan, uh, as well as being a writer at The Guardian. He is an author. His book, Don't Be a Dick, Pete, is extremely funny. Uh, I read it so that I could laugh my way through all our fertility woes. (laughs) We are delighted to be joined by Stuart Heritage. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, here to talk about this week's episode, The Monsters. Look at his face on that webcam. Look at that boyish face, that Richie Cunningham-like face. It is journalist, author, Stuart Heritage. Hello. If only Richie Cunningham was incredibly bald. Isn't Ron Howard bald now? He always wears a hat. Stu, you're not a a 2am person. You don't wait up and watch it, do you? (sighs) This time I was, accidentally. I woke up in bed at like 1.55 naturally and I thought, well, I could go back to sleep or I could watch it on my phone. And I did. On your um, phone, you dirty dog. Well, did you watch it with... on your phone? I watched it on my phone. What's wrong with that? Jeff, do you think there's anything? Are you so, not so, judging It's, it's one of the more cinematic programs on TV. I, I will watch it again on a television. 
you, you at least turned it to horizontal. Yeah, of course. I'm not an animal. But yeah, no, this is the only time, aside from the finale of Lost, where I've ever got up and watched something at the same time as the Americans. Will your wife, Robin, view this as a betrayal or does she not care as long as you'll rewatch it with her? We have had lengthy discussions about it and I, I i have to because it's my work do you feel like you're a little bit like shiv and tom coming to uh, an arrangement that sits more comfortably with one side of the relationship than the other perhaps <laughs> yes yeah yeah I, I think that's exactly what we are just lots of anger and uns- unspoken resentments yeah perfect perfect analogy thank you how early on in your watching of succession did you start to feel like this is one of the greatest things that i have ever or will ever watched it was maybe midway through season one, I think. I can't remember ex- the exact episode, but it's the one where um, Kendall has to kind of race through New York to get to the, the board meeting on time. Given that part of your job is watching stuff for The Guardian, and sometimes on um, episode one or two, you just you just have to make a judgment. Yeah. Have you, ev- have you ever got it dramatically wrong? Either yes. overly praise something that turned out to be terrible or the other way around. Yeah. The, the big one I remember is Luther which I saw the first episode of Luther and I hated it and I slagged it off in the paper. And then two episodes later, I had to write an apology piece saying, listen, everyone, I know I was mean. It's actually pretty good. But having now seen the the Netflix film, I feel like I I should probably apologise for the apology. It's hard, though, isn't it? In this golden age of TV where everybody is saying, you've got to give it five episodes, you've got to give it six episodes. You don't get that luxury as a writer. No. When when you think this episode happened in in, in two locations, we saw a lot in California and and the rest of it was in New York, largely at Logan's party. Are you more drawn to one or the other? Which of those would you rather have been at? The West Coast one, I think, just looked beautiful in a great big house. And everyone looked happy, even though they were just coming up with terrible ideas for for, for new business, like the worst possible idea. Um, cutting from that to like this, it, it was like a funeral. I don't think there was any natural light in, in Logan's birthday party. It reminded me a lot of um, Mad Men, you know, when they used to go and escape to California for a couple of episodes. And it would just be brighter and more optimistic than gloomy New York. Although I worry, I've said before, I worry about Sarah Snook's skin in a hot environment. Oh, yeah. You are similarly pigmented, as Mm. as am I. But she's grown up in Australia. They have the best sun care awareness programme in the world, probably. Do they? Do they? Don't they always have, like, slip, slap, slop? Isn't that the slogan? Slip on a hat, slap on a T-shirt, slop on some sun tan lotion. Slip, slap, slop. That sounds very Australian. <laughs> I've seen some weathered looking Australians where you're like, they're not. That's true. They're not slipping, slapping, they're and slapping. They're not slipping, slapping, or slapping. <laughs> Would you, Stuart, if you, so if we know that you'd go LA over New York, new money, old money, California, what's more to your taste? Where the siblings are meeting or where Nan Pierce was residing? Uh, I, given that I have Googled the, the house from the beginning, the new money house, that one, I mm. think. It's a lovely looking place. Let's say a situation unfolds that that means that you're going to have the money to afford that house. But instead of working for the left wing media, you now have to start working for the Daily Mail. Oh, God. Um, You're asking him, would he forsake his role as an esteemed humorous columnist at Pierce Media? Yes. And be lured across to Waystar Royco for the right amount of money? Okay, right. I'll I'll break this down into into pieces. First... I don't think I'd like to live there. Just the upkeep of that. Even though if I had that lifestyle, I wouldn't be the one who maintained the house. I don't think I could do it. If there's just an empty room in in a house that's got no purpose, I think I'd just get very anxious. That seems like a waste. 
second, Nan Pierce, she, she's kind of into the money secretly, isn't it? All of her lefty credentials, as soon as they started throwing the billions around, was, yeah. The kind of mock disgust <laughs> at the negotiation. Oh, it's like I'm in a bidding war. <laughs> it's so transparent. To come in with a headache as well is such a power move. Like, I, I oh, suppose God. I could listen to you offer me billions of dollars. <laughs> Stuart, you've written about your brother, Pete. Mm-hmm. Can you place both yourself and Pete on the Roy sibling scale? Oh, yeah. Who's who? That's interesting. I am, well, I'm the oldest. So possibly Connor, I think. No, I, I don't want I, to jump on the... I, I know you a bit and I don't feel you're a Connor, so I want you to try again. <laughs> Well, I don't think Pete, my brother, is a is a is a. I think he's Logan. I think he's just full on, yeah. And I'm, he's the, I'm the one, who's one dancing around trying to win his love by oh God, writing a that. book about how much I hate him. That hasn't worked out at all. <laughs> um, Pay attention uh, to me, Pete. I don't know. I've got, you really threw me by rejecting. My I know. I know. I rejected that. your answer. It was a bold move, but it, it, I'd like to like stand behind that choice because then what we got out of you is that actually he's the Logan, mm-hmm. and you're just one of the children. As I was saying that, I freaked myself out by how much of myself I was willing to give away for a podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> There's something like part of the, the brilliance, part of the secret source of the program is what it gets right about sibling relationships, though. How sincerity, how really telling somebody how you feel is to be avoided at all costs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In my book, I say that I love my brother once and I that really had to drag out of me. And obviously I do, but I'd rather I'd rather waste like 70,000 words saying what a knob he is. And then as an aside, say I love you. Then just for a while, we didn't even write I, l- l- the word love on birthday cards. Oh, we, my we, we would just write from. <laughs> like we were just strangers in the night. We'd like always it'd be like two people. <laughs> Has it ever been mentioned? That amongst those 70,000 words, the, the, the word love cropped up. I don't think so. I know he's read it, so he knows it, but ugh, no. <laughs> Never spoken <laughs> no. about. What, um, what do you think this show gets right about siblings? Just the, the ever-changing nature of it, I think. They're not, mm. there's, there's no sort of locked-in trait, almost, between the three of them. Like They can have moments of tenderness, but they have moments where I think it helps that there's more than two of them. They can form sort of allegiances with each other. My mum was one of six and that was fascinating to watch because they'd just they'd be in teams the whole time and oh my God. one of them would be frozen out for a bit and then some of them <laughs> wouldn't talk and then they'd join and then gang up on other it's it's yeah the show gets that exactly right from what I've been able to tell outside of the Roys is there anyone you're particularly drawn to as a character and and I'm not saying you'd want to know them in real life does Tom count as a Roy? Think, oh, yeah. That's. Yeah. I mean, when you asked the question, I thought about it for myself, and I was like, oh yeah, it's Tom. I like any character that where you see the main character through their eyes, and I think you do that with Tom. Just he doesn't fit in. He's kind of like the viewer standing, even though you know he's terrible. Or Greg, I like Greg. Even after how he treated that Bridget at that party and left Colin to do his dirty work, disgusting. No, no, she was. She was. I think to traipse through that many rules of etiquette without without any foresight. The bag thing was weird, but to go around asking for selfies, I think, is just... So you're a little bit... This is fine. We're not going to argue, but you think that she 
kind of had it coming. I think not, so. Not that she was kicked out, but that Greg was going to remove himself from the process of her being kicked out. Uh, yeah, that was a bit. That was a bit unnecessary. So grubby. A big, um, a big unresolved issue for us is Nan Pierce alludes to some goings on in her family. Mm. Um, she says, "What with John's divorce and Anne's disaster in Maine, and, and we're desperate to know what the disaster in in Maine with Anne Pierce is." Do you think and we'll ever find out? No, but I think that could be the spin-off. Oh, do you like the way that they're just a parallel Roy family and they've just got all they're, they're having just as much shit, but it's happening off camera. It's like the moment in Shaun of the Dead where the two teams pass each other. Yes, yes. I, I love that. How realistic, how truthful of a character does Nan Pierce feel like to you? She's barely on screen and you know everything about her, I think. Yeah. She's, <laughs> so she, has, she has all the, all the high-minded virtues that go with being being part of that world but you reach a certain point where it just it's like running into a brick wall you can have all the ideologies you want in the world but there's there comes a point where it is about money if you were tapped up to be one of the hundred what do you think you could offer <laughs> oh live blogging i could i could teach anybody how to do live i could live blog entertainment shows oh my god i'd love to be taught how to live blog if the hundred hasn't already been pitched it feels like an yeah. inevitable idea. It's a bad idea because it's just listing all the things that it meets. The Economist meets Masterclass. How many meets do you think you can have in, in a product pitch? I think I'd, if I went more than three, I think that would be terrible. I think that was that, there were four, wasn't it? It was mm. Masterclass, Substack, The New Yorker and The Economist. <laughs> That's too many. Yeah. That's when you can start seeing the gaps. I'd be hardline. I'd, I'd go with one, but I respect that. When, am, when are you going to do the, the watch with your wife? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. Robin is waiting until tomorrow? Because for the first time since 2001, we're actually going to go out together without the children tonight. Oh, that's so oh. nice. What's the occasion? Uh, nothing. I think it's probably a mistake. I've been awake basically since 2am. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole thing's going to just be ruined. But hey, tomorrow's fine. We can, we can watch it tomorrow. Did you go back to sleep? At three AM or three twenty or whatever it was, kinda. But it but wasn't. Not, it wasn't, it a wasn't good. good. It wasn't a good sleep. Oh. We went to bed at about twenty past one, and I, I thought to myself, "Oh, could could I we?" Know, I know I had the same thought. Have. I sort of had like Christmas Eve energy, but in a sick mm. way. Like if I really sort of hated my family, this is what Christmas Eve would feel like because I was excited, but I had so much anxiety about how much work we have to do today. Yeah, it's, it, it changes it when it's when it's your job. That's it changes the whole thing. I used to like watching X Factor. I get it. And you just get it kicked out of you. And that was that's X Factor. You're doing this for Succession, which is one of the greatest television programs ever. And if this wasn't the final season, there, there could feasibly be a point where you just got sick of doing it. You got tired of watching the best program on television. Do you think he's decided to rep it at this point for, for our benefit? For you two, yeah. <laughs> I like to think that we occur to him that much. Hey, just on that, like I've, I've noticed over the years, like many writers who are, are, are funny especially in the guardian charlie brooker marina hyde have subsequently had the tap on the shoulder from people like armando Inucci or tv commissioners any, any part of you secretly hoped that when you interviewed jesse armstrong at the end of the last <laughs> series he was gonna say do, do you fancy coming coming down yeah. I, it would have been nice it would have been nice i am uh uh interviewing larry david in a couple of days and i'm fully expecting him to be like no you can just you just come on board and, and you help me out i can't believe you're interviewing larry david what's it oh, what what's he the best what's the he putting out there ever. i'm writing a book about being bald and through a friend of a friend got his email address and was like Shut i will ask up. i said i will ask you no questions that 
are not to do with baldness and he went for it it might be the reason i didn't sleep it's all i can think about i'm so excited oh my god when is the interview uh, wednesday night oh my god that I, is I'm... so incredible oh gosh thank you i'm nervous it's probably it's gonna be fine it'll be all right it's gonna I'm be sure. great Oh. It's going to be good. Yeah. Just to finish, we've, we've noticed with this show, really, it's about people stuck on a hamster wheel. But mm. it, it does have to land. It, Jesse Armstrong has repeatedly said they they do need to answer the question of uh, who the successor will be. Have you got a sense of where it will end up or, or where would you like it to end up? Well, uh, and it, it's not going to happen. I'd like a happy ending for everyone, just because <laughs> I've been with them all this time now, all these years. I think what's likely to happen is... Uh, no one does. I think it'll be the Skarsgård guy gets it and it will all be like smashed up and taken down. I'm pretty sure Logan's going to die, I think. At the same time, all the Jesse Armstrong stuff that's been saying, it's, it's like it only occurred to him towards the end of the final episode that this might be a good place to leave it. You don't kill off a major character and then it occurs to you after the fact that you might end it. I don't know. It's too clever to just tie everything up neatly. I said to Jeff earlier, like, I'm almost not excited to watch it because my expectations are too high. Yeah, that's So I almost have as much anxiety as I do excitement. And I have faith in the team, but, you know, it's my overriding emotion. What is more ruinous at a party, a big bag or a coat? <laughs> a coat? You can, a bag is designed to be carried around. I'm not sure what Tom's problem was with that too, coat. Too a capacious. It was too, too yeah. capacious. <laughs> Rich people but, hate big bags. But a coat, you have to carry it over your arm. You can't wear it the whole time. That's, you can't second guess at the internal temperature of wherever you're going. No. I, 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 I would go freezing cold to a party like that <laughs> rather than wear a coat. Stuart, you've been a delight and a sincere sensation, which we knew you would be when we asked you to do it. Thank you for having me on. Uh, before we're done, do you want to give us your, your favourite quotes and turns of phrase from this week's episode? It would be an honour. <clears throat> you look tired and your face is giving me a headache. Bridget Random fuck. High calorie info snacks. A little tummy tickle on culture. The rocky old road of life and the wife part of that can be difficult. Disgust of us. A ludicrously capacious bag. Wolfing all the canapes like a famished warthog. Just go mano a nano. He might go on a killing spree at 7-Eleven and you might get your dick stuck in an AI jerk machine. We've never licked his big omelet nipples. She's crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> Beware the blood sugar. Drug-addled cock monster. A ball sack in a toupee. Yummy dummy demi. Dirty little fuck up pushing the filth buttons. I don't want to be restricted to my favorite. <laughs> All right, we will be back on Friday with Friday Sprinkles, and we need you. Sprinkles does not happen without your contribution. So first and foremost, we need to know, as we've already said, who was Anne? What was the disaster in Maine? Are you going to pay me to eat certain foods and film <laughs> myself doing it? <laughs> what else? I was very surprised when you said that, that you think there's a debate about where things are going to go between Tom and Shiv. I mean, it felt final, but as I say... Okay, did it feel final to you, or do you agree with my husband? Did it feel like... What could happen here? Where could things go? What else? What's worse, a big bag or a coat at a party? How would you like to see Logan and Colin take their besties for Evsy's relationship to the next level? Oh my Where could they go? A fun trip somewhere? <laughs> Please share everything you've noticed. Ask questions. Give us theories. Agree with us. Disagree with us. Write to us. Our email address, don't forget, is fuckoff at firecrotchonnormcourt.com. 
All right, we're pretty much done. Uh, something I am very keen to see how it develops is if this is, as it looks like the end for Tom and Shiv, will Mondale get to sleep on the bed? Mondale. Instead of in that I crate. I hate it. What was he doing in that crate? That, that's what responsible dog owners do. I hate that crate. I know. Responsible. That's what you're supposed to do is have your dog in a crate? Yeah, let him sleep on the bed, Tom. What the fuck? I know other people and the dog is in the bed, but they don't have to be in a crate. It's a thing. Oh, I don't like that. Listen, thank you for listening. And Jeff, I could see if I could make love to you. Would you like to? I don't think so, Sarah. Write in and you can rank Jeff's acting and my acting on a scale of 1 to 10. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.